Turn your Bibles to John chapter 11. Are you awake now? John chapter 11. We're about halfway through our study in the book of John. So it's only been seven months, roughly. So, you know, another seven months, that puts us at 14 months. Was it just over a year? That's not bad. We got through, we're good. We'll get through a whole book in about a year, a year and a half. I think that's pretty good. It's a big book, yeah. All right. <laughs> Faster than John MacArthur. All right. We got that on him. <laughs> All right. John chapter 11. We're going to be, we're going we're gonna to kind of slow roll through John chapter 11 though. So I'm sorry. We're breaking it up into four different uh, sections. But we're going to read John chapter 11 verses 1 through um, 16. John 11, 1 through 16. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But Jesus heard it and said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Let's go ahead and open a word of prayer, and then we'll dig into the passage this morning. Father, we thank you for Christ. As we were reminded of even this weekend at the couples conference, the, the power of the gospel and how it, it is not just powerful to, to give us salvation, but it is powerful to, to bring about sanctification. As we live our daily lives, as we seek to grow to become more like Christ, I pray that as we look at this passage this morning, that we would see uh, on a deeper level you, that we would understand uh, how you work in our lives, and that we would uh, walk away be, being more dependent on you, and loving you more, and becoming more like Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. So Andy preached half my message, so we should be done in about 10 minutes. Um, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, A strategic delay, right? You've read this passage, you know this passage, many of you probably could teach this passage. Um, It's a very familiar story. Uh, especially later on. In fact, I was really disappointed because we were splitting things up and, and I was thinking, yes, Lazarus, that's such a great story, right? I can't wait. And I'm, I'm in John chapter 11 and I'm going to get to preach this month. It's going to be awesome. 
And then we broke it into four sections. And it starts in section three, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And I'm like, I only get the first two sections. So Eric gets to preach the fun part. <laughs> but uh, so we're going to be in uh, John chapter 11 for a couple of weeks for the month of March. Um, but, you know, each of these sections has something to learn about Christ. It's not just about this amazing thing that he did by raising Lazarus from the dead. Yes, that's part of it. And that's a huge piece of it. And, and it's integral to what Jesus is even doing right now in our passage. But there's something to learn even from these first 15, 16 verses as well. So let's remember our, our um, setting here. We just got done with chapter 10. And what was going on in chapter 10? Anybody remember? Okay, yeah, we had the teaching on the good shepherd, right? Christ was talking about how the fact that he was the good shepherd. Okay, what else was going on? Yeah, they wanted to kill him. This is becoming a regular occurrence now. <laughs> if you keep, if you go back and read, you know, eight, nine, ten, things are starting to heat up a little bit for Jesus. In fact, if I remember correctly, in chapter 10, they tried to, tried to kill him twice, if I remember correctly, but it, it may, I could be mixing those together. But they wanted to kill him. They didn't like the things that he was saying. It's one thing for him to say, I am the good shepherd. It's a whole other thing for them if he says, I am the son of God, right? Because then he equates himself with God, with deity. And so they, they're okay with the good shepherd part, but as soon as he says, I am the son of God, that's blasphemy. And that deserves death. And so they were taking up stones to kill him. And, and I just want to jump back a few a couple verses in chapter 10 to get our context a little bit, um, uh, just in verse 40, John chapter 10, verse 40, um, well, 39. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Verse 40, he went away again across the Jordan to, to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained, and many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in them here. Now, it doesn't tell us how long he was there, but Jesus has gone from this uh, place in, in Jerusalem where they were wanting to stone him, they wanted to get rid of him, um, and he's, he's gone away, he's, he's escaped the, uh, the arresting for the time, uh, because it wasn't his time yet, and he's, he's gone away back to where John had began his ministry, John the Baptist. And so he's back where John had, had originally been baptizing. We don't know exactly for sure where that was. A lot of people think it was on the other side of uh, the River Jordan. But Scripture doesn't tell us exactly. It just says that was where they were. Um, and so you look, at, uh, you look at where John was. Remember, John was out kind of in, in the outstretches. You know, he was out in the wilderness-type area. And people were going out and listening to him and being baptized and repenting. And, and so Jesus is out there. And these people were familiar with John the Baptist. They were familiar with the things that he was teaching. They were familiar with the, uh, the prophecy that he was giving about this one who was going to come. Remember, John said, the one that's going to come, I'm not even worthy to unfasten his sandals, right? And so they're looking at everything that Jesus has done, these people who are there, and they're coming to Jesus and they're seeing, this is what John was talking about. This is the guy that John was saying was going to come. He's doing everything. John couldn't do these miracles, but John told us about this guy, and he's the one, and they believed. And so Jesus now has gone from uh, this, 
really antagonistic crowd to a crowd that is, is kind of adoring, <laughs> you know? They're coming to him, they're believing in him, they're, they're following him. It's, it's kind of back with things like the things were before he started claiming to be the Son of God. <laughs> and, uh, and so I want to take a look at this passage as we, as we understand the context, as we understand everything that's gone on. Let's look at, uh, I want to look at three things in this passage, and, and it's just the way my mind works. They're three Ps, all right? So we're going to look at the people, the problems, and the plan. The people, the problems, and the plan. All right? Eric's just laughing at me because, I don't know, I just, I get stuck. And it's always P's. You ever notice that? I don't know. P's or C's. I don't know why. I always get stuck on P's and C's. Those are easy, though. You know, people, problems, plans, you know. So we're going to look at that this morning. But let's look at the people first. Who are the people who are involved in this story? Especially the main ones. Obviously, we have these people who are coming to Christ and and they're believing in him, and they're following him. Um, but I really want to take a few minutes and just put ourselves in the mindset of these people who are involved. All right? And, and I see really a couple different groups. One, we have Jesus, who is the main character, right? We have some secondary characters who are the disciples. So they're there. And then we have uh, three people who are mentioned. Who are they? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. All right, just making sure you're awake and paying attention. All right. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, right? And they're uh, siblings, right? They're a family. And so we have these three people, and I just want to take a minute and go through and think through this scenario from their perspective. And I, I want to start with those last three. I want to start with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Okay. Uh, of course, you know, Lazarus, we don't really know a whole lot about him, um, we know about Martha because she was the, the busybody, right? She was the ultimate servant. She was the one running around trying to make sure everything was done, that you know, everything was taken care of, that there was enough food on the table and everybody's glass was full. And, and she was really angry because Mary wasn't helping at all. And Jesus had to rebuke her and say, Mary has chosen the better thing, right? Because Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from Jesus. And then John also tells us about actually what's coming in John, um, where Mary breaks open the ointment, right, on Jesus and anoints him for his burial, as we, you know, look at that in context of, of all Scripture. And, she, and they, you know, we, we see that, uh, that interesting dialogue about the expense of it and how, you know, it should have been sold and given to the poor and everything like that. So there was, there was a closeness in this relationship that Mary and Martha and Lazarus had with Jesus. In fact, if you look uh, back in verse 3, look at how the sisters said this. It says, So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. He whom you love is ill. And John kind of makes another uh, very clear statement in verse 5. It, it almost seems a little out of place where it is, because it's just, it's, it's, it's just a sentence. It's just kind of right there. But John says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Why would John make such a big deal about this? I mean, doesn't Jesus love everyone? I mean, we sing it in children's church. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Yeah, very good. See, she knows it. All right. You know, Jesus loves everybody, Right? We look at John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? 
And so we know that Jesus loves everybody, but John's telling us that there is a special relationship here. There is a special relationship between Jesus and this family, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And again, we don't really know you know, why there's that special of a relationship. We see it in other passages uh, that we've already talked about. But we see that there's this special relationship, that there's a special, there's a unique love outside of Christ's general love for the multitudes. There's this unique love, this unique compassion that he has for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so you think about that relationship. And so here's Mary and Martha And I can just see them as they're sitting there. They've sent a servant off to, um, or a messenger, I should say. We don't know if it's a sermon. They sent a messenger off to find Jesus. They probably had some idea of where he was. And they sent this messenger off, and, and they said, tell him that Lazarus is ill. Now, these people had a relationship with Jesus. They knew who he was. They knew who he claimed to be. They knew the things that he had done. They were well aware of his ability, of his power. And I, I can just imagine as Jesus is, as, as Mary and Martha are sitting there, as they're maybe even sitting right, right at the bedside of their brother, that I don't think they were sitting there without hope. They knew Jesus. And I think, I think when they sent the messenger off, they fully expected Jesus to come. They fully expected Jesus was going to come and he was going to speak or he was going to touch and Lazarus was going to be made whole. In fact, they probably had even heard of, of the, the official son when Jesus didn't even go to him. He just said, your son is, will be fine, will be made whole, right? And the man believed and he went home and his son was healed that same hour. And, and so they, they probably even thought, well, even if, even if he doesn't come, once the messenger gets there, we'll be fine because he'll just, he'll just say, Lazarus be healed and, and Lazarus will be healed. So I can just see Mary and Martha sitting there by their side, expectantly waiting either for Jesus to come or for Lazarus to just all of a sudden start making this turnaround. And it doesn't happen. And we don't know exactly when Lazarus died. We don't know exactly how far Jesus was from there. It's very possible that he died even that day that the messenger was sent. Because we know later on in the passage that he's been dead at least four days by the time Jesus gets there. And so I can just see Mary and Martha sitting there waiting, expecting, knowing the power that Jesus had, knowing that he loved them. This wasn't, they weren't just some random person in a crowd. They were, they were loved by Jesus. They were personal friends with Jesus. They, they weren't just somebody that he came across, you know, sitting up in a, in a tree, <laughs> you know, he, these were, these were close personal friends of Jesus. Surely he's going to save Lazarus. And I can just see as they, as they sit there and they watch Lazarus take his final breath. Just think about what's, what's going through their mind. And as Lazarus is dead a day, two days, three days, as they've understood reality setting in, as people have come and they've prepared the body and they've put it into the tomb, the confusion, the pain, maybe even the anger that's going through their mind through this process. We're going to look at some dialogue between Martha and Jesus next week. But just put yourself in their shoes, fully expecting Christ to fix the problem, and he doesn't come through. So we have Mary and we have Martha. 
I assume you could probably put Lazarus in that same situation. Perhaps he, we don't know if he was, you know, aware of what was going on, if he was awake. We don't really have any information about the illness that he had. But, you know, if he was, I'm sure he was probably expecting Christ to come as well. Um, but their expectation is, is shattered. Their expectation is not met by this one who we know loves them. And so we have Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We also have the disciples. Here are the disciples. They've just experienced a very um, traumatic experience, probably multiple times, as they've huddled around Christ, as they've probably tried to protect him to some extent, um, as you would expect them to do as disciples of, excuse me, of Christ. And, and yet his life is threatened. And possibly their lives are threatened as, as followers of Christ. I mean, people are literally picking up stones in the previous passage, holding it. I, I can just see people like, you know, tossing them up and down. <laughs> All right, it's time. We're going to get you now. <laughs> and then, well, we, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll arrest him. And so, you know, they talked about arresting him instead of stoning him. But, but they're mad. They're angry. They're a mob. And here these guys have, have just come from that scenario where they're dealing with fear, they're dealing with possible threatening threats on their life, and now they've moved back into a place where everything's kind of okay. You know, they're getting back into the, into the flow of ministry, right? They're getting back into, you know, everybody loves Jesus now. <laughs> you know, life is good. Everything's going well. We're back, to, we're back to people coming to Christ, and they're not wanting to stone him. They're wanting to follow him. They're wanting to believe in him. And we know that they were involved in the ministry around Jesus, we don't know everything that they did, but they, they were dealing with the crowds as they would come to Jesus. So, and so they had responsibilities. They had things that they were doing. And so their mind is, is probably just coming off of this, this level of fear and starting to relax a little bit. It's starting to get back into the flow of how things used to be. And this happens. We'll get to the problem in a second. And then Jesus. You know, Jesus, a lot of times I feel like, at least myself, I, I look at Jesus and I, I forget that he is a man. You know, we look at Christ and we, and we know that, that he, is, um, he is God. We know that he is the Son of God. We know that he um, lived a perfect life. And I think a lot of times when we, when we think about that, we forget that he was a man too. We're like, oh yeah, he was a man because obviously he was flesh and blood, right? He was a man because he had to be so that he could die on the cross. I mean, that, that was part of the requirements to be able to fulfill the law, to be able to pay the debt that we all owe. But he was a man just like the rest of us are. He was a man who felt pain. He was a man who had family relationships, probably had family conflict. He was a man who loved others, intimate. And he was a man who probably didn't feel fear because he was God, but he certainly felt heartache. In fact, I'm going to steal from somebody else's sermon later on, but John 11:35, we read these two simple words as he's standing before the tomb, and it says that Jesus wept. Did he forget what he was about to do? No. He was just overcome as a man, by emotion, by his love, by his loss. 
So yeah, Jesus is, he's involved in ministry and he knows, he knew before time began that this was going to happen. And yet even he is affected emotionally by what's going on in this passage because he loves Lazarus. He loves Mary. He loves Martha. And so these people, put yourself in their mind's eye as we go through these, this, this process, as we look at the problems here in this passage, as we look at these issues that each, each of these groups deal with. And I see three problems. The first one <clears throat> starts out pretty obvious, and that is that Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is sick. That's what they sent to him, right? They said, the one whom you love is ill, right? He's sick. There's something wrong with him. Again, we don't know what the issue was. We don't know what the sickness was. But he's sick. There's a problem. And, and we need you to fix it. <laughs> was kind of the, the implication there. The one, that, the one that you love is sick. You know, it's interesting. Jesus says in verse 6, that so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed there uh, two days long in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go. I'm sorry, go back to verse 4. That's what I was looking for. Back to verse 4. But Jesus, when he said it, when he heard it, said, this illness does not lead to death. This illness does not lead to death. Now, did Jesus lie? Because a few verses later, I'm reading that Lazarus is dead, right? No, he's talking about ultimately. He's talking about at the end of everything that's going to transpire here, this sickness is not going to lead to, to Lazarus being dead. Now, does that mean Lazarus never died again? No, he did. <laughs> He did, but it wasn't from this sickness, right? This sickness is not ultimately going to lead to death. All right? We, uh, we, we look at the, the phrase later on when he tells the disciples that, that, that Lazarus is asleep. You know, they're not getting it. They just think he's still sick, right? They think, well, he's, he's probably resting. He's probably recovering from whatever the sickness is that, uh, that he had before. Because no doubt they heard what was going on. They probably heard the messenger telling Jesus, hey, Lazarus is really sick, you know? And, and they probably heard everything that was going on, and no doubt they had a relationship with this family as well. No doubt they, they understood the, the closeness that Christ had with them. No doubt they had a deeper relationship with them as a group, as individuals. And so it probably would have been hard on them as well to know that Lazarus was dying. And so I think it's interesting that Christ says at the beginning, this, this doesn't lead to his death, you know? Because why? He, he's going to delay for two days, right? He's going he's to continue working for two days, and they have a job to do. They have a job to do. And I think Jesus probably said that more to calm their fears, more to calm them down from, from worrying about Lazarus than, you know, just to make some statement. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. I think he's, I think he's trying to, to keep them from worrying. And so we have this problem of Lazarus being ill. And it doesn't sound that bad to us because, again, we don't know what it was. And we know, and we know the end of the story. You know, we know what Jesus is going to do, even though he dies. Have you ever stopped to think about that? I look at this story and I don't think of it as that big of a deal. Oh, yeah, Lazarus died. But that's okay because Jesus raised him, right? This was a big deal. Lazarus is going to die. Done, gone, finished. And it was obviously a sickness that was 
bad enough that Mary and Martha were concerned that that was a possibility. It was obviously a sickness that was bad enough that they needed somebody to go to Jesus so that Jesus could heal Lazarus so that he would not end up in the final destination that they thought he was moving towards. But this was not just some blip in the radar. This was Lazarus heading toward death. It was a problem. And it was a problem that Jesus could fix. And yet he doesn't. And we'll get to why in a minute. But there's a problem. Jesus, Lazarus is ill. And Jesus calms their thinking and he says, he's not, it's not going to lead to death. The ultimate destination of this sickness is not death for Lazarus. And so he stays two more days. The second problem comes down here in verse number seven. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? All right. Again, let's think of the context. All right. They, they had just left there not that long ago. They've been enjoying this nice um, uh, disciples retreat, you know, out there in the desert or whatever. You know, ha- people are coming. They're being nice. They're coming and they're, they're, they're believing in Jesus. They're, they're worshiping him. They're following after what he's saying. Everything's a whole lot better than it was back when they were in Jerusalem. Um, nobody's picking up stones. Nobody's trying to, to hurt them. And, and all of a sudden, you know, Jesus has calmed their fears about Lazarus. He said, he's not gonna, he's not gonna die. It's not gonna be the end. He, you know, Lazarus sickness is not gonna lead to death. And so they've, they've probably even maybe thought, forgot about it at this point. And they're busy. They're involved in everything that's going on. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, all right. Pack up, boys. It's time to go back to Judea. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Um, I just see Peter, you know. Hey, hey, Jesus, listen. Um, you remember not that long ago we were in Jerusalem and they were going to kill you, right? Remember the stones, the angry mob, you know, the pitchforks. I don't know if they had pitchforks. You, know? <laughs> you, you remember they were going to, to kill you. Do you remember they don't like you? In Jerusalem, you remember they don't like you really in, in that whole surrounding area, including Bethany, right? They don't, they don't want you there. You're not a very popular person there unless you're looking for a lynch mob. You know, we, we probably shouldn't go back there. We're, you know, I could just see them being like, look, Jesus, you know, we're, things are going well here. People are believing. Isn't that what you want? People are following after you. You know, they, they understand, they get it. They understand who you are, who you claim to be. They're okay with it. They're not trying to kill you. And Jesus says, we have to go. It's interesting what he says right before his explanation, though. He kind of rebukes them a little bit. He uses an analogy that he's used before. He says, he says oh, let's read it. Um, verse 8, the disciples, I'm sorry, verse 9, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Jesus is giving us kind of two uh, analogies here. He's used this analogy of working in the day, right? He said He's used this before. He says, the night is coming when no one can work. And so now during the day, basically while I am here, then I need to be doing the work that God has called me to do. He comes out later and explains, you know, what's going on. But 
Jesus is saying, I have to go to Jerusalem because this is what God has for me now. This is the Lord's will. This is the Father's will. And this is where I need to go. It doesn't matter if people are trying to kill me. It doesn't matter if I'm if I really want to, <laughs> you know, if I really want to engage probably in another verbal battle with someone as I'm there in Judea and Jerusalem, um, it doesn't matter because this is what the Father wants. And it's interesting, he, he talks about light. And, and we've just read in previous passages where Jesus said, I am what? I am the light, right? I am the light of the world. And it's just interesting to me that he combines this idea of, of working or walking in the day with himself. He is the light. And he says, and there's going to be a time where there's darkness, and if you walk in the darkness, you will stumble and you will fall. But he asks him to walk with him. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem. And then he makes very clear why. He makes very clear why. He says, our brother Lazarus is asleep. Now that doesn't sound like a problem. You know, we've got two problems so far. We've got Lazarus is sick. They knew about that one. And Jesus wants to go back where they want to kill him. That's a problem. All right? And then Jesus says, Lazarus is asleep. Yeah, that's not a problem. Right? Well, he's probably getting better. He's probably, he needs some rest. He's been sick. You know, that's not a big deal. And Jesus has to clarify it. And he says, no, no. Lazarus. And as soon as he says Lazarus is dead, you don't see any more discussion about People wanted to kill Jesus, except for what Thomas says at the end. You know, you don't see any more fighting and saying, you know, no, 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 we can't go. You know, I understand Lazarus is dead, but man, they really want to kill you. We really shouldn't go. You don't see that. They understand Lazarus is dead. That's kind of the final problem, is it not? There's not very many people in Scripture that were raised from the dead. It's a very rare occurrence for somebody to be raised from the dead. And Jesus says, Lazarus, in the minds of the disciples, this is a problem. And it's one that they can't fix. It may even be one that they're not sure Jesus can fix. Yeah, I can't help but wonder if after all this dialogue that Jesus has had in in 8 and 9 and 10 chapters of John, that you know, as people are really starting to disbelieve, as they're starting to, to call Jesus a blasphemer, as they're wanting to stone him, I can't help but wonder if maybe the disciples are starting to have a little bit of a problem with it as well. You know? They've made some pretty bold claims. You know, Peter especially, you are the son of God, right? And, and Jesus has said to him, you know, blessed are you because the Father's the one that's shown it to you, right? You didn't learn that by flesh and blood. It's God who has revealed it. And so I, I can't help but wonder if maybe through all of the things that have been happening, if these disciples are maybe thinking, man, is, is he really the Messiah? I mean, maybe he's the Messiah, but, but is he really God? Is he really the Son of God? And so Jesus brings, allows this problem to come. What, what we would see is the ultimate problem, death, something none of us can escape, something none of us can fix. But Jesus had a plan. Jesus had a plan. There's, there's two reasons why Jesus delayed. We call this a strategic delay. There's two reasons why Jesus delayed. And he gives, them, he gives us both of them. I don't have to come up with them. Right? He gives us both of them. The first one is found 
in verse 4, when Jesus said, this illness does not lead to death, what is it for? He says, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The first purpose for Jesus delaying and coming to Lazarus was so that God would be glorified. Now, we sit here and say, well, you know, I think God probably would have been glorified if he'd healed him too. <laughs> you know? Could God have gotten glory from healing him? Sure. He's done it before. Think about this. When Jesus gets there, how long has Lazarus been dead? What? Four days. Think back on people that you know that Jesus has raised from the dead so far. Any of them been dead four days? Three days was, the, uh, was kind of the cutoff. Okay, now we know you're dead in, in the Jewish uh, system, right? Three days. Why, why was Christ dead for three days? That was, that was how they made sure it wasn't a swoon or it wasn't a, you know, a, 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 some sort of you know, catatonic state. You know, there was, after you, you, if, you're, if you're out for three days, you're dead. <laughs> you ain't coming back. All right? And so he's healed other people. He's brought other people back to life. Again, few, but they've always recently passed away. And here, Lazarus is dead four days by the time Jesus comes. I'm not, I'm not preaching somebody else's message. You, you know what's going to happen, right? He's dead four days before Jesus comes. Talk about glorifying God. Talk about showing off the power of God. To not just take someone who died a few hours ago and raise them back up, but to take someone who by now stinketh, <laughs> to use the old King James vernacular, you know, he, he don't smell so good because he's been dead four days. To take someone like that whose body has already started to decompose and bring them back to life in an instant. That's power. And he says, this is not leading to death ultimately because it's for the glory of God. Because it's going to be obvious who I am when I take care of that. And then it's interesting, near the end he says, there's a second reason. There's a second purpose in this plan of delaying to go see Lazarus. It starts in verse 14, then Jesus told them, playing, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. Didn't they already believe? See, this is why I think maybe they were starting to, to kind of lose a little bit of this belief that Jesus really was who he said he was. Sure, you know, he could be the Messiah. He obviously had lots of power. He obviously had ability to do things that no earthly man could do. He obviously was, was sent by God, but maybe, maybe he really wasn't God. And Jesus says, I'm delay, I've delayed, and, and this, I've allowed Lazarus to die, and I've allowed him to be dead for four days by the time we get there, not just to display my power and who I am, but so that you, who have walked with me all this time, who know me, would believe. Believe what? Believe everything that I've been talking about myself in the previous chapters. Believe that I am the Son. Jesus had a plan. He wasn't just being cruel. He wasn't just being uncaring. He wasn't just caught up in everything that he was doing at the time. He had a plan. He had a purpose for his delay. It was strategic. There was a purpose in it. And it was so that he would be glorified, and it was so that the faith of the disciples would be increased. 
The question is, how does that apply to us? Two minutes. How does that apply to us? I don't know necessarily where everyone is in your life this morning. I don't know what struggles you're going through. I don't know what troubles you might be going through. Some of you I do. I don't know what heartache you might be going through. I don't know what God is allowing to happen in your life that you may be thinking, why this? You may be thinking, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to do what you want me to do. I don't think there's any sin. I don't think there's anything that I've done that has caused this to happen. Why are you allowing this to continue in my life? And you know, we look at Scripture and we see the promises of God and we see that He promises to walk through these things with us. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. He promises us that He will provide, that He will be there for us. And yet so often we go through things and and we wonder where he is. Do we not? And you may be there this morning. You may be going through something that nobody else even knows about, but God knows about it. And you know God knows about it. And you're wondering, where are you? Can I submit to you this morning that maybe it's just a strategic delay? God never fails to fulfill his promises. He never does. He never has. He never will. And so, yes, He is with you. Yes, He will be with you. Yes, He will give you the strength to make it through. Yes, He will provide a way of escape. But it will be in His timing. And His timing doesn't always match with our timing. Mary and Martha would have really liked Jesus to come about three or four days earlier. But that wasn't His timing. Because if He had, He would not have gotten as much glory and their faith would not be increased. Perhaps what God is doing in your life today is not punishment. It's not just there to make your life harder. It's there so that when God steps back in, He gets glory. And when God steps back in, our faith is increased. Because that's what He does. Sometimes He uses a strategic delay to bring Himself more glory and to increase our faith. Father, we thank You that we don't know all the answers. We thank you that we are not omniscient like you are. And although at many times we we would like to be, we like to be in control, we know that you are much better at being in control. And Lord, I pray for uh, maybe many in in our congregation this morning who are going through struggles and going through hard times and and probably in many cases don't understand it, don't know why. And Lord, we are... We are weak and feeble people, and we, we can turn so easily from trust to doubt. I pray that you would help us to continue to be faithful, as we know that you are faithful. I pray that you would help us to continue to trust, knowing that you will fulfill your promises, knowing that you are right there with us. And I pray that as you do work in our circumstances, in our situations, that you would be glorified, that, it, that you would work in ways that are obvious, that you are in control and that you are in charge and that you are working. And I pray that through that, our reaction and, and the view from others would be glorifying to you. And I pray that through that, our faith would increase. So that as you take us through other things, through darker times and days ahead, that we would have the strength and the faith to go through it because of what you're doing with us now. 
And we will give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we've got about six minutes. We'll split up into our application and implementation time. Kids, you can go ahead and head on down to the children's time, and I'll be there momentarily.